I'll let you in on a little secret. Reaching your revenue goal won't change your life, but hitting your profit goal, that absolutely will. If you want to build a life-first business this year, you need to create more margin, both in your finances and in your schedule. If you're ready to double down on profit-generating strategies that actually work so you can work four-day weeks, go on real vacations, or even take the summers off, you won't want to miss this. In my free masterclass, Double Your Profit While Working Less, you'll learn exactly how to set your business up to scale so you can give yourself a raise, create a clear plan for how to work that dream schedule, and step into your CEO era, the one where you and your business aren't just surviving, but thriving. You can grab this free masterclass at www.jadeboyd.co backslash double your profit masterclass or go to the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Welcome to the Jade Boyd podcast, a podcast about redefining productivity for the modern woman in business. I'm your host, Jade Boyd. As a business coach, I help overwhelmed business owners simplify and scale their service-based businesses with smart marketing strategies and seamless systems. On this podcast, we talk about all things marketing and productivity. If you're ready to strategically grow your business, ditch the busy work, and make space for what really matters, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Jade Boyd Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode two of the podcast. Today we are talking all about 2022 marketing trends. And full disclosure, when I was thinking about launching this podcast, I knew I would do it in January. And my first thought was a goal setting series is going to be so timely for January. And then of course, as you've all seen in the past two months, Every single podcast that I follow has come out with some sort of goal-setting episode. So I scratched that and decided to go with 2022 marketing trends, which I haven't seen a lot of um, on different podcasts that I follow. So I'm really excited to do this episode. Basically, what I've done is I probably spent 20 hours (laughs) reading various marketing research reports and taking notes and trying to think about summing them up for small businesses and what would be helpful and what would give people ideas um, to incorporate into your own marketing plans for 2022. So this is probably going to be on the longer side of episodes that I plan to do for this podcast, and I might go down some rabbit holes, but I am super excited to share these trends with you today. And Yeah, marketing research is just really hard to do when you're a small business. I remember in grad school, I took a marketing research class, um, which taught me so much about the methods and the statistics behind marketing research. And then after graduating with my MBA, I started a small business and realized that data is basically zero. <laughs> like we're basically guessing. No matter how many times you pull your Instagram audience or send an email survey, you're really just guessing because the statistics just aren't there to prove any sort of conclusions based on what you're getting from your customers. And there's so much bias. This is, okay, we're already two minutes in. I'm already going down a rabbit hole about marketing research. But the basics is that I just want to sum up this marketing research that is statistically relevant to help you see trends that are happening nationally and globally. And I'm going to give you some suggestions on how it might apply to your small business. But at the end of the day, 
I want this to be a show where you can get new ideas and decide what to do with these trends for yourself. Because if you're doing what everybody else is doing, you're not standing out and it becomes not strategic. I think we can see this really clearly with what's happening on Instagram now and Reels. Reels, when they started, became really popular and it became like the main strategy that everybody wanted to do. And now it's oversaturated and Reels are not as helpful anymore. So not to say that you can ignore trends, but be cautious of jumping on a trend just because everybody is doing it because eventually it will not become sustainably strategic for your brand. So that's the first disclaimer. The second disclaimer is that you should not be jumping on every marketing trend because some of these trends may be relevant for certain types of businesses or personalities or brands, but they probably will not all be relevant to your business and your brand and what's going to work with your marketing strategy. So think critically as we're going through these trends, just because something is popular and happening and maybe strategic for the average business doesn't mean that it's necessarily something that you need to take and implement in your own business. So I think those are all my disclaimers. To give you a quick summary, I'm going to link all these in the show notes, but the major research reports that I'm pulling this information from are Deloitte, HubSpot, Essence, Hootsuite, Foresight Factory, Falcon, Forbes, Instagram, and that is it. So I'm going to link all of those in the show notes. I read a lot more than that. But from the reports that I'm going to directly quote and link, those are kind of the major ones that I found the most helpful. So if you want to take the time to go back after the show and read through some of those reports to get the full picture for yourself, feel free to do that. So we have nine trends total today, and we're just going to take it one by one. So let's jump right into trend number one. The first trend that I saw over and over again as I was going through these reports was the importance of brand purpose and understanding why your business exists and communicating that to your audience. And Simon Sinek kind of coined this um, in his books, Start With Why and Find Your Why. But one quote from him that stands out and I think about all the time is, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I feel like All of these reports in one way or another hinted on this principle that people aren't dumb and your consumers know if you're just trying to make money or if you are pursuing something with a purpose that matters, inviting them into something that's more meaningful than a transaction. And we're seeing this more often now that consumers are walking away from brands, not just products, because of what companies or corporations or even small businesses stand for. It's becoming more and more important as people are getting more options on where to buy things and what to buy. And the idea of competing on price and even quality is becoming more of a commodity and people want more than that in order to spend money with the business. And I see this in my personal life and in my business more often But something specific that was pulled out in these trends is the importance of CSR, corporate social responsibility, and sustainability. And a couple of examples of where this has come up in my life that I wanted to share because this immediately made me think of that. There's a coffee shop in Des Moines called Horizon Line Coffee. And my husband and I were staying in Des Moines um, when family was in town. We went to the zoo and we stayed in a hotel for a night and the next morning we went to Horizon Line Coffee to get coffee. I'd been there before 
and it's a really great coffee shop. And they gave us a glass jar with a lid with a little koozie so that your hand didn't get burned to go. Like we ordered coffee to go. We don't live in Des Moines. We live in Iowa City, but they didn't serve any paper products in their coffee shop. It was only this glass jar, which I thought was amazing because I, at one point in my life, wanted to start a coffee shop and I ran the numbers and profit margin is hard (laughs) to keep up in a coffee shop. And they had invested in this glassware where even though the point was that they would have repeat customers and locals would bring those jars back to get washed and get their next cup of coffee, we were out of town. So we already bought the coffee, but we weren't going to drive back to Des Moines to return the jar, but they gave it to us anyway, because that's something that they believe in and they're putting their money behind. And I cannot tell you how many times I've told this story because I thought it was that awesome and unique. And it like, really, it just blew me away that they believe in something that much that they would invest in these jars and kind of be like, you know, if you can't bring it back, you can't bring it back, but we're going to do what we believe in. And now I'm telling all of you about it. So go check out Horizon Line Coffee if you're in the Des Moines area. It just goes to show that if you believe in something strongly, it does make you stand out from other businesses and it's okay to put your money behind it if it's strategic for your business and your brand. The second thing that I thought about this year, I'm trying out the Hemlock and Oak Planner, which I heard about on Amanda's Favorites. And so far, I am really, really loving it. Um, It's a Canadian company. And when they shipped it to me, it came with this little card that had a detailed list of everything that came with the planner and the packaging, like the how to use it card, the paper wrap, the box. And it had detailed and like, this is how you reuse this. This is how you recycle this. This is what this is designated under. So they like literally gave you instructions on how to not throw anything that they shipped in the garbage, which I thought was super cool. So definitely a trend on sustainability in ways that you can differentiate your business on that. But I do think just tying your business back to a bigger purpose and communicating that, especially for creative entrepreneurs, is super important. And Mariah Danielson is on the podcast in episode three to talk about how to find your why and tie that to your brand purpose. So after this, definitely tune in there too. I do want to say a couple more things about brand purpose before we move on. The first thing is that your purpose has nothing to do with the products or services you offer. I'm going to say that again. Your why behind your brand or your business has nothing to do with the products or services you offer. I think a lot of people, when they first start to think about their why behind their business, they think my why is to create beautiful pictures or my why is to serve the best coffee. And although your why can shape the products and services you do offer, your why is lifelong. It's not going to change. It's broad enough that you can do it in multiple ways with multiple products and services and still be aligned. So I think the default is immediately to go to what you offer and think about why you do it, but do not do it that way. And again, tune into the next episode um, to hear Mariah talk about finding your why for more on that. But I wanted to give you an example for my own why and how that plays out in my business. So I've had like a love-hate relationship with finding my why. It is a super for me, it was kind of frustrating because it's a hard thing to kneel down in specific words. But I'm coming closer and closer the more experience I get and the more I think about it and the more I fine tune it to something that feels really aligned to 
my desire to start and run a business. But the why that I have, my running why right now, is to simplify the complicated parts of life so more women can show up for the things that matter most to them. And that is very broad. I could do that in a million different ways. Right now, I'm doing that through brand photography, simplifying the way that people show up in their business through brand photography. The Organize Your Business template is kind of packaging my simplification of my business processes and systems into this easy-to-use template with a mini course and systems VIP days, which I just started doing. So literally doing somebody's systems for them in a day. So it doesn't have to be complicated because you don't have to do anything. I do it for you. But there's a million other ways that I could do this. Someday, I hope to have a planner company and that, again, aligns with my vision, but it's a completely different business than my service-based business that I have right now. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of an idea of what a why is and how it could come to fruition in your own business. The last thing I want to say about brand purpose is that it not only motivates brand loyalty and for customers to be attracted to your brand and your business and to repeat purchase because they're believing in what you're doing, but it also is motivating for your employees. In HubSpot's report, they said about 70% of employees claim they would not work for a company without a strong purpose. And this belief is affecting the way brands tackle brand inclusivity and rolling out their campaigns in 2022. And right now we are in the great resignation where employees have more choices than ever before and people are less and less afraid to quit their jobs and go after something that does light them up and feel aligned to their purpose. So clarifying why you exist as a company if you have employees is also very motivating and can align that um, loyalty from your employees as well. And I turn down clients for this reason too. If I feel like my why is not in line with a potential client's reason for starting their business. As a contractor, as a brand photographer, I kind of feel like an employee in some sense because I do care very much about the results I get for my clients. And there have been times when a business has just felt not aligned with what I believe in. And I've turned down potential clients for that reason too. So it works both ways. Okay. Takeaways for small businesses on trend one. First of all, I would say take a holistic approach to your branding and marketing strategy and get super clear on why you're doing what you're doing. I think we've covered that enough so far, so I'll leave it at that. Tune into episode three to hear Mariah Danielson talk more about that. Two, I would say communicate your brand purpose as often as you can. And it doesn't have to be verbatim. I think it can subtly come through in the different things that you say on social media or on your own podcast or blog or in person with customers. But um, for me, I use the word simplify all the time, all the time. And it's become part of my brand. (laughs) So there's subtle ways that you can incorporate that without having to verbatim say, my why is to XYZ like I just did. Um, I almost never talk about my why in that way. And the third takeaway would be to build your brand purpose into your customer experience and invite them into a meaningful story. And here's what I mean by that. So my customer experience with Hemlock and Oak, the planner company, for example, I felt like I was part of a sustainable initiative, even though I made no effort to seek out a sustainable planner. I just happened to find a planner that I liked that was sustainable. 
And there are subtle ways that you can incorporate your why into your customer experience, whether that be through the way that you talk about your company on social media or the gifts that you send to your clients after working with them, the packaging that you use to wrap your products if you're a product-based business and send those to your customer. But I think in general, it's just the way that you make people feel or that your brand makes people feel. So think about how you want to make people feel. I know for my own brand, I seek to simplify things. And the one problem I solve is overwhelm. If someone's overwhelmed, I want my brand to be the solution to that. So in everything that I do, every piece of content that I create, I'm trying to figure out how can I take this piece of content and simplify something for people or help them feel less overwhelmed whether that's education or encouragement or telling a story about my own life, everything kind of ties back to that same principle. At least I try to. So that's something to think about once you have your why nailed down too. All right. I think we're ready to move on to number two. And number two is customization. And I think this one is really interesting because I feel like we've been in this space for a long time, but we in the United States are living in an individualistic society where we want everything, how we want it, when we want it, the way we want it, you know, immediately. And I do think that there is a lot of opportunity to differentiate yourself, your brand, your products, your services by having a more customized experience. And this is a trend that I saw in a lot of different marketing reports in different ways. Um, But basically, the trend is creating this customized experience or customized product for your customer. So a few examples that I thought of. One, back to the Hemlock and Oak planner. I really love this planner. But in their packaging, they also had a little card with my name on it. It said Jade and it said, like, welcome to the community or whatever. And... I thought that was super special and really stood out to me. Apple has done this for a really long time by doing engravings on their products for free. Um, I thought of frozen yogurt shops and how trendy those were. I remember when the first Froyo place came to Iowa City and how cool it was to go fill up on Froyo and put your own toppings on your ice cream. Um, And I've also seen this. Again, I am a planner connoisseur, so... Sorry for my frequent planner references, but there are a lot of newer planner companies that are allowing people to fully customize their planner, like write in the titles on each page and choose which pages are in the planner and choose removable and replaceable covers for their planner so they can swap them out in different seasons and change what name or like year is even on the cover of the planner. So I'm seeing that in different industries, but those are kind of the few that came to mind. But for a service-based business owner, I think this can be as simple as writing a handwritten note to say thank you to your clients at the end of the session or instead of sending the same client gift to every client, sending something that's unique to what you know that they love and enjoy. For my wedding clients, I actually sent them the same gift, but I would change the name. So I would send them a bottle of wine with a customized wine label that had their name and their wedding date and location on it. Simple touches like that that you can do to, again, kind of bring your brand experience alive and make people feel special. So here's some takeaways. First of all, try to build relationships, not transactions. This ties into customization because everyone does want to feel special. So do what you can to build that relationship and make people feel like they're special instead of they're just a transaction or, you know, a check at the end of the day. People don't like feeling like that. 
Second, really get to know your ideal clients and what they actually care about because if you customize something that they don't actually care about, it doesn't matter. So learn about the things that they actually care about before you make any big changes. And the last thing is to make sure that customization isn't cutting into your profit margin. Build it into your costs. If you're creating a phenomenal experience, whether it's a product or service, it should be part of your cost so that you're not just eating into your profit margin. I'm sure that that free Apple engraving is not has not ever been free. So think about that. And then on the Froyo yogurt side, I'm just thinking about I would never spend $10 on an ice cream sundae from anywhere else. But when I go get Froyo, I just pile on the toppings and it ends up costing like more than $10 for ice cream, which is insane. So all that to say, customization does not have to be unprofitable. And if you're thinking about building it into your processes, make sure that you're not losing money on it because the whole point is to increase your brand and the experience your customers have. And that should come with a price increase as well. All right, trend number three is social commerce. And I'm going to break this out into three parts. The first one we're going to cover is just social commerce. But the second and third are user-generated content, which is different, and influencer marketing. So we're going to talk about those next, but we're just going to focus on social commerce. And Essence defines social commerce as Social commerce means that discovery, browsing, and purchasing can all take place on one platform without the need to interact with any external website or application. And I'm going to share a handful of statistics around social commerce and let you kind of digest these as I read them out. Three out of four consumers want to purchase through social platforms. More than 30% of shoppers list delivery, shipping, and after-sales support as their top barriers to social commerce. So if they have the option to purchase directly through a social media platform, they're hesitant because they don't believe that delivery shipping or after-sales support would exist. So that's really interesting. Um, And the pandemic has increased the number of people on social media platforms at an unprecedented rate. So I also wanted to share those statistics quick. HubSpot is saying there are over half a billion more people using social media worldwide than at the same time last year, indicating an almost 14% year-over-year increase, which is insane. Half a billion more people. Falcon is saying, according to eMarketer, U.S. social commerce sales will increase 35.8% to $36.62 billion in 2021. So this was written in third quarter last year, so they could release their report by the end of the year. So they were on track to increase by 35.8% at that point. And social commerce is one section of the e-commerce umbrella that is clearly booming and will continue to grow. All of these statistics are telling me and should be telling you that there is a huge opportunity to meet consumers where they're at on social media and to allow them to buy with the least amount of resistance by taking advantage of some of these opportunities for social commerce and your business, especially for product-based businesses. And Instagram has released a shopping feature where people can purchase directly from the app. And Pinterest is also set to release shoppable pins this year so people can purchase on Pinterest without ever leaving the Pinterest app. So some takeaways from small for small business owners. First, make sure you're choosing the right channels for your business. Again, don't just jump on the trend because it's a trend. Make sure that your customers are actually active and wanting to buy your products from an app before making the investment, time and money investment of getting all of your products up on these platforms. 
And two, if you're investing in social commerce, your visuals need to be attractive. And I know as a brand photographer, I'm biased in this, but it really is so important, especially for products like physical products and digital products, but especially for physical products that you have good brand photos to represent your products. If you're expecting somebody to go from never knowing about this product to purchasing it within an app, that takes a little bit of trust building. And a huge part of that is having good visuals. So I just published a blog post about some photography gear and resources for small business owners and also the photography gear that I use in my own photography business. So I'll link that in the show notes if you want to get links to all of the gear and resources that I'd recommend. And also, if I'm not the right brand photographer for your business, I know somebody who is and I am happy to refer people. I'm kind of cutting back on the amount of branding sessions I take this year due to pivoting and offering more of these business systems and coaching services. So feel free to connect with me on Instagram at jadeboyd.co and I can help you connect with the right brand photographer because there are so many talented brand photographers out there and there is no excuse to be marketing your business with bad visuals. I can even send you people who have presets and photography courses. So yeah, please listen to my advice and don't try to invest all this time if you don't have the photos to convince people. All right, on to trend four, which is user-generated content. So user-generated content is content that is created organically by the user of a product or service. So if any of your clients um, or customers have shared a testimony about your product or just taken pictures or shared anything about you on social media and tagged you or not tagged you, they are sharing user-generated content because it was generated by the user, right? And the reason this is important is because there's this trend towards consumers losing trust for brands and businesses. And we kind of covered that in the why, like your customers aren't stupid. They know if you're just out to make money or if you actually care about them. And so user-generated content can help a ton with building that trust and credibility because you're not saying that you're the best product or services the users are, and they're doing it organically. So this has become a bigger trend, especially for larger brands who have more trouble building that trust and credibility because people trust people, right? But it can also play a role in small business marketing as well. So this is a quick and dirty one. So takeaways for small business owners. First, incorporate your ask for user-generated content into your marketing strategy and your processes. So definitely be paying attention to the customers or clients that are already sharing about you and support them when they share about you. Like their posts, comment on them, share their posts, whether they tag you or not. Um, And actively look for that content too. I know one example that I think is phenomenally done is Social Squares. They have an Instagram highlight on their Instagram page that you can go look at and they show what Social Squares photos, they are a stock photo subscription. They're showing people's Instagram feeds and what they can look like if you incorporate Social Squares photos. And it's awesome, especially for creatives who are using those to get a boost to have their profile shown on Social Squares Instagram stories who have a larger following. So seek out your customers and clients and support them. And that's a B2B model. So B2C looks a little bit different. Um, But maybe that can generate some ideas for your own business. 
Second, definitely be building customer testimonials and product reviews into your workflows and processes because that should not be something that is forgotten ever. It, in my opinion, should be put on autopilot so that you have a template email or an automated email that goes out to ask for that customer testimonial and some sort of way to get that testimonial once the form is submitted onto your website, onto your social media pages. So put that on autopilot. You should be asking every single customer and client for a testimonial to improve your own services, but also to generate that content for yourself too. And this isn't technically user-generated content because if you're sharing a customer testimonial, it's still you sharing it. So a little bit different, but you still should be asking for those testimonials. But similar to this, you can also take screenshots of your DMs to get those testimonials and even emails people send you. I know oftentimes the testimonials that I think are the most impactful are messages that clients send me personally. Like after I send a branding gallery or something and they respond and say how amazing the photos are, a lot of times the language that they use in those testimonials seems much more genuine than the type of language they would submit on my official feedback form. And when you take a screenshot, it shows that that's a legit testimonial. It's not a pretty Canva graphic that has this tidy testimonial on it. So that can do its own, play its own role in building trust and credibility. So pay attention to those, screenshot them, save them in a folder in your camera roll, and don't sleep on them because they can help you a ton. And the last thing you can do to generate user-generated content is to do some sort of challenge and potentially offer a prize, but people can be competitive, so you never know. A few examples of this. So if you're a clothing store, you could have a challenge on like, show us how you style your favorite LBD, little back dress, and the winner will get an entry to win a free dress or a gift card from their store. Or a winery might do a challenge on like, show us how you were pairing your favorite bottle of wine and a winner would get a free bottle of wine. So find a creative way to get that user-generated content from your customers and clients, and that will help you build brand trust. The next one, which is similar but different, is influencer marketing, which has been a hot topic, honestly, for a really long time, and I feel like the industry of influencer marketing is changing really quickly. Um, HubSpot is saying influencers are able to reach consumers on a level that many large brands simply cannot, with nearly half of consumers depending on influencer recommendations before purchases. A greater demand for content also comes with greater expectations, including a push for authenticity. For most consumers, this means deeper connections with influencers as well as value-driven content. So the takeaway here is that influencers can play a large role and helping larger businesses gain that trust and credibility. But don't forget that you as a small business owner have this like secret superpower of being able to build those one-in-one connections yourself since you are a human being and you are the face of your brand. A lot of times for small businesses and service-based entrepreneurs especially. Although large businesses are having to take on influencer marketing in order to build that trust and credibility, For small business owners, you may be able to do that yourself. So first thing, think about that a little bit and whether it's necessary. Second thing, if you decide that influencer marketing is a good fit for your brand, people still want that authenticity and that deeper connection to the influencer. So it's very important that you don't just pick out 
the influencer with the largest audience, but you think critically of that person's personal brand. And if it's aligned to your business brand as well, will you be able to work with this person over a long period of time? And do they really understand your brand? Are they able to generate content that is in line with your brand values? Or are they just going to be a walking advertisement that doesn't really connect to what you're trying to do? That stuff really matters. Another quote that came in these reports is that smart brands will build long-term relationships with the right influencers. And I love this because I have a bias towards less but better. But I do see small businesses especially thinking like, let's do this. Let's find the people with the largest audience and let's just get everybody talking about my business, which on the surface seems super exciting. But at the end of the day, it really depends on what your goals are for your business. Is it really just to get more brand awareness and to get your name into more people's ears? Or is it to actually increase your conversion rates? So you might choose different influencers depending on what your goals for your influencer marketing actually are. Okay, the last thing I want to say about influencer marketing is on the side of the small business owner or creative who is starting to tap into influencer marketing themselves and becoming a creator for other brands, the market is also saturated. And if you are becoming an influencer for anything and everything and sharing these affiliate links left and right, you will lose trust with your audience. So on the flip side, it's also important if you are if you are an influencer to choose brands that you truly believe in and feel aligned with through your your personal brand why and your personal brand values so that you can partner with these brands or companies over the long haul and it actually makes sense for you to be talking about these brands. Okay, that's the last thing I want to say about influencer marketing. On to trend number six, which is the desire for simplicity and ease. And I saw this come up in a lot of different ways in these reports. Um, But the main thing I want to talk about is your customer process or your checkout process if you're a product-based business. HubSpot says, the faster and easier it is to navigate your platform and process, the better your chances of making a sale. No one wants to complicate no one wants a complicated 10-step process just to check out. So, so true. And I think that things are have been evolving in this direction for a really long time. I remember a case study in grad school where we looked at Coca-Cola and their brand vision is to have a bottle of Coca-Cola in everybody's hand in the world, basically. Like anyone in the world can have a bottle of Coca-Cola in their hand. So, their strategy is to remove any and all barriers to purchasing Coca-Cola. So we saw this in like vending machines being put in buildings. So I don't have to walk next door to get a Coke. I can just go to the vending machine and buy it. And then what if I don't have cash? That's kind of inconvenient. And I won't buy it if I have to get cash because who carries cash anymore? So then they had credit card things on the vending machines so that that wasn't a barrier to buying. So takeaways. Think of all the barriers for your customers or clients to purchasing your products or services and eliminate as many as you can. And I also want to speak directly to creatives and service-based businesses for a second. If you want to create brand loyalty, you have to take your customer experience extremely seriously. So tying into this desire for simplicity and ease, 
Make it super easy for your clients to go through your process. Don't make it complicated. Do not send them an email every three days with a request for new information and having them upload things to emails and have communication be scattered. Simplify it as much as possible. Send one form with all the information they need. Send one email with all the information that they need and make it super easy for them to work with you and talk to them about what that looks like and what was complicated or burdensome or pay attention to the emails that you send and nobody responds to or it takes people 10 days to get back to you because it was too complicated for them to figure out. Pay attention to those things because they really matter. Foresight Factory was reporting also on this personal pace trend that people, especially in light of the pandemic and huge shifts to the way that we're living our lives, are reassessing their priorities and what actually matters to them. And often it's in favor of a slower approach with more balance and boundaries. And here's a quote. After nearly two years of languishing, a term used in the New York Times op-ed to describe a sense of stagnation accompanied with a lack of emotion, consumers will look to fill the void with experiences and offerings that promise to stir the emotions and elevate in-the-moment moods. And I think this is so interesting because it's something that I see in my life, but it's also something that I see in many of my friends and family members and clients' lives too, this idea that we want to go back to that time when things were simpler and we want to prioritize the pieces of our life that we've realized in the past two years matter so much more than what we were giving them priority for before the pandemic happened. And I think it's also interesting because they talk about the feelings that people want to go back to. So feeling at peace, feeling fulfilled. And we've known for a long time that we are not rational buyers as much as we would like to think so. We are emotional buyers. So if your product or service ties into that feeling of giving people their time back, allowing them to prioritize what matters to them, making them feel more at peace, Those are emotions that you should definitely be tapping into as this trend continues. The last thing in this trend of simplicity and ease is the trend of nostalgia and larger brands incorporating these nostalgic memories into their marketing campaigns. And I think this also ties back to the back to basics mentality, just longing for that time when things were normal, things were simpler. We didn't have all this confusion and mayhem in our daily lives, and brands are really capitalizing on this trend by incorporating nostalgic sounds, nostalgic products, nostalgic people into their marketing campaigns. I think it was super nostalgic to see the Harry Potter reunion this year, and granted, they might have already done that anyway, but I do see things that incorporate nostalgia are becoming very popular very quickly and trending very quickly. Um, One other way that I've seen this is in Molly Knuth's campaigns. Last year, she launches Social School, which is a three-month program. And last year, I remember she did a Friends launch, which was so much fun because who doesn't love Friends? And this time, her December launch for January start program was a Taylor Swift launch. That also feels very nostalgic to me. And I think taking a play on something that's nostalgic and fun to your audience can be a way to cut through the clutter and kind of get people's attention to talk about your brand and your products and services. And I don't think that this is necessarily a strategy for the long haul, but for a short-term launch or marketing campaign could be very strategic. So some takeaways on this trend of simplicity and ease, look at simplifying your buying processes, whether that's for your customer workflow or through your checkout process. 
simplify, simplify, simplify. Make your customer experience as smooth and easy as possible. And second, definitely research your audience and see what they care about. What do they want to feel? What do they want from your brand? When are their good old days and the things that will get them to engage with their brand and catch their attention? So just know your ideal audience really well. On to trend seven, which is video marketing, which again should come as no surprise because we've been seeing this trend for quite some time now, but in 2022, it's a trend that we will see continue. So HubSpot is saying in 2022, posting and sharing videos is fundamental for any marketing campaign that wants to succeed. 84% of consumers said watching a brand's video convinced them to make a purchase or subscribe to a service. And... Let me just say that video marketing is not equivalent to doing reels. Video marketing is not equivalent to putting your business on TikTok. Video marketing is essential, but reels and TikTok are not. TikTok is a huge trend, though. HubSpot is saying that TikTok is the first non-Facebook app to reach 3 billion global downloads, which is insane. But think about the platforms that you're on and what your audience wants to see on that platform. And think critically on whether repurposing your content on other platforms is just copy and paste or whether or not you should be doing something different on that platform to better reach your audience. That was just a little side note, but moving on. The takeaway I want you to really have is that video marketing is a must, but Reels and TikTok are not. So there are so many different ways that you can incorporate video into your marketing. You could film like a two-minute video introduction of your business and have that on your website. You could create a video that demos your product and have that on your website. You could simply show up on Instagram stories and talk about your brand and what you do or your daily life and build your brand through video that way. You could create how-to videos on how to do different things either on the topics that you teach or on the products that you sell. One thing that I've seen that has been super cool recently is brands that are having customers do video testimonials, which is great content. And so you could have video testimonials that your customers are making on your website. So you don't even have to show your face on video to incorporate video. One thing I started doing last year in the thick of summer when it was super busy and I found myself getting behind on email, which I just can't do for my sanity. I'm an inbox zero type of person. And so if I can't get to the bottom of it, it does give me some anxiety. And I was just in a really big season and I was getting behind and I started recording Loom videos to respond to emails because it was faster. And honestly, it was super effective. I used them to respond to inquiries, explaining like who I am, what the next steps in the process are, all that good stuff. Like thanks for reaching out. And it would take me like three minutes to record that Loom video. I would paste in the email and send it and that worked super well for me. So that's kind of an out-of-box way to incorporate video into your into your marketing strategy. You could, like I said, do Instagram stories or lives or YouTube. You could film yourself if you have a podcast recording your podcast and also use that on YouTube. I'm not to that level because I'm sure I've messed up a hundred times on this podcast, which I will need to edit. So not ready to do that on video yet, maybe someday. And then with photography, something that I'm starting to do with my branding clients is GIFs. So it's just photos that operates like a video. Or you could do live animation videos where you're using 
products or something related to your business and taking photos while moving the objects and doing some sort of live animation video, which again might not require you to put your face on video. So hopefully that gave you some ideas on how you might be able to incorporate more video into your marketing strategy this year. All right, moving on to trend eight, the power of community. There has been a trend for a while on brands trying to build these communities that are more interactive and engaged instead of passive followers. So HubSpot is saying, consumers no longer see you as a brand, but as a connection, expecting not just a service from you, but a way to interact, engage, and communicate. The option for brands is to either allow these interactions to happen offsite through forums and social media, or to keep it within their own platform. This enables brands to better shape the conversation happening around them while also gathering valuable data and insights around their consumer base. A social element within your products, platforms, will be key in the coming years and helps build that feeling of brand community. And I have seen a lot of small business owners express frustration with the platform options right now for building community, if whether that's Kajabi or Facebook groups or other platforms, um, there seems to be a gap in the market for a true community building platform. There's also Mighty Networks, which I've looked at, but I personally haven't found a platform that I feel is well-suited to building community. And it is really hard to build community too. It is something that takes a lot of intention and thought and action and effort on the part of the business owner. And I've definitely been part of a lot of groups that promise community that weren't able to deliver. And I have been a part of a couple groups who did it phenomenally well. And I think what differentiates them is time and effort really is what it comes down to. You can't expect community to happen overnight. It takes a lot of nurturing. Something that's really interesting as a side note to this, Hootsuite is saying 77% of people who were surveyed for a joint report by Facebook and NYU's governance lab indicated that the most important group that they're part of is online, which might be a result of these weird times that we're living in right now. But I was super surprised. Like the most important group that they're a part of is online. Part of me feels sad for that because I love in-person community so much. But the other part of me is like, wow, that's a huge opportunity to serve people, especially if you're working with clients all over the country. That's a huge opportunity to bring people together and to serve this really important role in somebody's life. So it could be extremely impactful in community, at least how I've experienced in my own life has been extremely impactful on my personal life and on my business. One thing that's coming out this year, kind of on a side note to this online communities thing, Twitter is rolling out something called quote, communities, which is a dedicated place to connect, share, and get closer to the discussions they care about most. So you might see more of this cropping up in 2022. And Instagram just announced that they're rolling out a pilot program for subscriptions on Instagram, which is kind of inviting people into that paid relationship where they get deeper insight and more content from you, kind of like Patreon. But you might see more of this trend pop up this year, and maybe we'll get a better option for a community building platform in the social media space. So some takeaways for small business owners on community. Like I mentioned, don't expect it to happen overnight. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes nurturing. 
And Hootsuite is actually saying, here's a quote, instead of trying to build a community from the ground up, the smartest brands in 2022 will tap into existing creator communities to learn more about their customers, simplify content creation, and build brand awareness and affinity. So if you don't have the time and effort to build a community yourself and you're not dedicated it dedicated to it for the long haul, you can still tap into community by finding places where your ideal clients are already experiencing that community and becoming a part of it, serving them, adding value to that community, showing up, being present, and learning from them, really using those communities to listen to what they're thinking, what they're feeling, the frustrations that they have, what they're talking about. That can be a huge opportunity to tap in community for your brand too. And the second thing um, is to make your online presence as genuine and engaging as possible. So I want to reiterate that your followers are not your community. So I know I've been guilty of this in the past, and maybe there's even places on my website that still say this, but when people say, join my community by following me on Instagram, it's not really a community because there's not that active engagement where members typically, for some brands potentially, but there's typically not that active engagement where people feel super connected to community and are actively sparking conversations. Like when you're following somebody on social media, you might comment on their stuff or have DMs with them. But I wouldn't consider anybody's anybody that I follow on Instagram, I wouldn't consider their followers my community. When I've experienced that online, it's mostly been through Facebook groups or Slack. So something to keep in the back of your mind. But that doesn't mean that you can't build that sense of community by being as interactive as possible when you are sharing on social media and allowing your followers to participate in your brand by allowing them to vote on things, requesting feedback for them, having them even participate in decision-making for your business, just inviting them to be an active participant in your business as much as you can. Okay, we are finally on to trend Number nine, which now that I'm getting to it is super ironic because we're quite a few minutes into this podcast. Um, This, again, is probably going to be one of the longer ones. I'm usually not super chatty, but trend number nine is snackable content. So this one is kind of fun, kind of sad. Studies have shown that the average human attention span has actually fallen from 12 seconds in 2000 to eight seconds, which is a second shorter than the attention span of a goldfish, which probably has a lot to do with social media and the digital age that we're living in. But as a marketer, since this trend is probably going to continue, I don't see our social media diets changing anytime soon. Some actions that you can take are to be as brief as possible, use storytelling in your brand to really engage and bring people into your content. This is such a powerful one from a branding perspective. And it doesn't matter if you're telling the same types of stories over and over again, they're still engaging. They just hook your brain in a way that other information does not. And repurpose content on the right platform. We already talked about this, but in order to grab attention, you have to be where your audience wants you to be and you have to be showing them what they expect to be shown on that platform and it's different platform to platform so just because you create a nine second instagram story or reel or a short podcast and break up a clip or something like that does not mean that it makes sense to repurpose that specific piece of content on a different platform so think critically about that and whether or not you're able to engage people's attention on that specific app with the type of content that you're creating your strategy for creating content should be a little bit different platform to platform. 
And the last thing I want to say is that although our attention spans are shorter, it does not mean that you can't captivate somebody's attention span for longer than nine seconds or eight seconds. Sorry. Nine seconds is goldfish. Eight seconds is us on average. You're listening to this podcast and you've been listening for a long time because this is a long episode. So although that short snippy content does work on some platforms does not mean that you cannot create long form content that is engaging. You just have to be presenting the content that your ideal audience wants to hear, wants to learn from, wants to listen to, and you have to be providing it in the right context. So podcasts you can listen to anywhere. So I'm not going to get you to listen to something like this on Instagram Live and sit there and watch it. There's no way that I would listen to an Instagram Live that's this long ever, even if it was valuable content. But I can get people to listen to this on a podcast because you can digest it while you're driving or doing mindless activities like doing dishes or taking a walk or something like that. And it kind of gets built into your daily life. So be strategic about the type of content and your content placement if you want to grab people's attention. So to wrap up this episode, I'm sure that throughout the episode, you probably had a lot of different ideas of things that you should be doing or could be doing to grow your business in 2022 and some marketing trends that you might be able to take and make your own in the coming months. And so some next steps that I want to leave you with in case that I have contributed to the problem with this episode and just left you overwhelmed with all these ideas of things you should be doing. My next steps for you would be to sit down and write down three things. The three things that stood out most to you in this episode, the three things that could have the biggest impact in your business with the least amount of effort on your part. Not that effort is bad, but think about those quick wins that you could get even this month if you made small shifts in your business. Small steps. Start small. Don't let the overwhelm of these big ideas prevent you from taking the next step in tailoring your marketing strategy in 2022. And the other thing I would say is tune into episode three with Mariah, which I've said several times, but if you're struggling to know what the purpose of your business is or getting super distracted with different ideas that you're getting and not knowing which one you should do next or do it all, finding your why can be such an empowering um, piece of your brand strategy, especially for solopreneurs, to guide what type of, of products and services you offer, what types of clients you work with, and everything down the line from that. So finding your why, honestly, is a great next step in clarifying your marketing strategy for 2022. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to connect with me if you want to discuss any of these things further on Instagram at jadeboyd.co, and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Jade Boyd Podcast. If today's episode was helpful, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave me a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast today. Your reviews help more small business owners discover helpful episodes every week. And if you want more productivity and marketing tips, head on over to Instagram and follow me at jadevoid.co. And lastly, don't forget to check out the show notes for the tools and resources we discussed on today's episode before you go. I'll see you next time on the Jade Boyd Podcast. The number of women burning out is at an all-time high right now, and I'm on a mission to change that. If you're a service provider who's feeling overwhelmed, overworked, and underpaid, don't let another year go by staying stuck. 
The Business Edit is a 12-month group coaching program that helps you declutter your business from top to bottom so that you can have shorter to-do lists, a clear strategy to scale, and know exactly what to focus on each week to drive results in your business. You'll end the year with the business that you've been dreaming of building, one that gives you your life back and pays you more than you've ever made before. In the program, you'll follow my signature five-step method for scaling your service-based business. You'll get business minimalist strategy, marketing, systems, and productivity roadmaps that are simple to understand and easy to implement, plus 12 months of customized one-on-one coaching to help you every step of the way. Join me inside the business edit at www.jadeboyd.co backslash coaching and get my step-by-step blueprint with everything you need to build your dream business in 2024. Now back to the show.